sower is found in these passages. I wanted to start by talking about someone who uh, I was asked to go talk to. They were in, within days of dying, literally. Uh, when I came to the door, the face was ashen, pale, very thin. We had a conversation that lasted for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so. And at the end of it, I asked this person, can I pray for you? And she said, no. It's a helpless feeling. I, I was not expecting that because every time I ask that, I hear the, the positive, but this is the first time I've been told no. And then there are those who, it's kind of interesting, they, and you've heard me talk about this. They want their kids to get baptized as if that's the end all. You know, if I can just get them baptized and then that's fine. And I've seen people who have done that and never showed up again or rarely showed up again. And, and so, you know, you, you see these people and you think, what in the world? I've been, I, and, and I've been told, you know, Jim, you need to preach more hellfire and damnation. But I'd rather them live their lives as if they wanted to be Jesus rather than be afraid of what would happen if they didn't. Then I knew a family. They were, man... What a great family. They had teenagers, and, and uh, yeah, he was a deacon in the church, and man, they were there every time the doors opened. And, and you can imagine uh, having teenagers, uh, those of you that have had or now have teenagers in your house, how busy it gets. I mean, you're going from one appointment to the next, from one soccer match to the next uh, parent-teacher conference. And, and that was the way this family was. They were just, you know, busy all the time. Their kids went to a Christian school. <laughs> then they bought a boat. And they took a weekend and they spent the weekend at the lake. And I'm not, I don't have any problems with that. But then it was every weekend. And they quit coming to church altogether. You've known those who once they became a disciple of Christ, they jumped right in. They just wanted to do everything. They were on fire for the Lord. And I heard a preacher say one time, it was kind of interesting, he said, we used to have training programs for people, but he said, I basically decided against it. He said, I would rather people just jump in and make their mistakes. And he said, I've had to clean up some messes. But he said, I've got a lot of people who are on fire. And they continue to be faithful. And I want us to remember that God never, never asks us to be successful. He's asked us to be faithful. Now, you've already figured it out. I've been talking about the parable of the sower. And I've gone through all these examples and, 
And, and the parable of the sower is found in all three synoptic gospels. And by the way, I was real proud of myself. If you watch Jeopardy, they had a Bible uh, category the other day, and I answered every one of them. And one of them was the synoptic gospels. Nobody knew it. I was so proud. But it's based, this parable is based on a, on a very familiar scene, one that we don't see now. And you know, when we, when we go out into uh, farmland Nebraska, we'll see plows and we'll see all kinds of, of farm machinery and it goes out and it'll till the field and then there, there are these big machines that'll plant everything, but that's not the way they did it during Jesus' time. Our techniques are far more sophisticated than back then. But they sowed the seed. And in fact, I, as, as I envision this, and I'm one of those, I've got to, I don't know if you're this way or not, I've got to envision the scene, and I envision the scene of Jesus telling this story, and why he's telling the story in the distance, there's a guy who's sowing the seed in, his, in the field. You probably recognize that. That's the picture from the Nebraska State Capitol. That's what a sower looked like. He kept a kind of a bag in front of him. He would take the seed and he would just throw it randomly. He didn't know where it would go. You see, we've got nice, and even if you've got a garden at the, in your backyard, you've got nice straight rows. They would often just randomly throw the seed. And so it fell where he threw it. Sometimes it was a beaten down path. Beaten down, you know, where, where so many people have been through. And from what I understand, the fields were set apart by, sometimes by stones. In fact, if you can, uh, you can read in the Old Testament, it'll say, don't move someone's uh, uh, border stones. And what, what they found is people would take those stones and move them over and make their land bigger. But there would always be a, a pathway that would go in between. You know, in fact, I'll never forget this. You know if, if, you, you, if you trod that path long enough, the grass won't grow. My, uh, <laughs> when I was a boy, which... I don't have to say this, but it was a long time ago. But my brothers and I used to love to play wiffle ball. Uh, I was pretty good at it. And, uh, and, and we would go out and, and there, we, we had two sets of grandparents, of course. One set lived on a farm, which, which was fine. You could go out there and do all you want. But the other was a house in a little town called St. Joe. And we would, we would bat, you know, and, and we, were, we, we were walking all over this area so much that the grass quit growing. My grandfather made a stop because nothing would grow there. That's kind of the, the idea that we've got with a pathway. And it's kind of interesting because Jesus says in Matthew, he says, the evil one, Mark says Satan, and Luke says the devil comes along and snatches up the seed. Then you've got the rocky soil. It germinates, but it can't get a foothold. It has no root. 
Have you ever noticed the, 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 uh, the, the guardrails along the side of the road? You know, if you hit one of those, you're not going to knock it too far because all those posts are driven down in the ground, way in the ground, so that you're not going to knock it out of there. Because it has, in essence, deep roots. It's the interesting thing about those things. You've seen trees that you think, oh my goodness, that thing will last forever and a storm will come through and it'll blow it down and because it has no roots, it's easily knocked down. And there's thorny ground. There's some positive things here. You see, the things do grow. The seed grows, it germinates, but Jesus said they're choked in life's worries and riches and pleasure. And then, of course, you've got the good soil. Good things happen and continue to happen. Now, as we look at these, Mark begins his parable, his story of the parable, by using the word, listen. I don't know if you ever had your mom or dad or grandparents say this to you, but you knew that when they said, are you listening, you better listen. Or if you went to school and a teacher would say, this is going to be on a test, listen up, you immediately got the pen out. You should have had it out earlier anyway. But you immediately got the pen out and wrote it down because the teacher was serious about this. And I've heard preachers say that when you tell the story of the parables, that a fourth of it falls on, on the path, a fourth of it falls uh, on the rocky soil, a fourth of it falls on the thorny soil, and a fourth of it falls on the good soil. And they say, you know, when you go out and you preach the gospel, you're only going to be 25% effective. I've heard people say that. You know, sometimes you're not going to be 25% effective. Sometimes you're going to be much more effective than that. But in reality, this parable is about the heart. When Jesus told this parable, even though he was developing quite a following, it was really at the first of his ministry, if you take Mark as an example. And they were challenging everything that he did. They were denying the very miracles that he performed and they were trying to kill him. And he told the parable these things because it says, though seeing they may not, they do not see. And though hearing, they do not understand. I sure am glad that that's not like our times. Isn't that what's going on today? You can see and you can hear but you know what? That doesn't apply to me. That's not important. In, in fact, if you believe those things that were written that many years ago, then it's ridiculous. It's silly. You shouldn't be listening to those things. Why, that's old and outdated. Don't listen to that. Or it's easy to point to others and say, you know what? You better listen to this. During this lesson, you may be nudging somebody and saying, is he talking about you? I'm not talking about anybody else but us. I wish I could say that we would listen. How is your heart?
How is your heart? I want you to take a moment and think about that for just a moment. What kind of soil is representing your heart? Has your heart become hard? Nothing of his word can penetrate the hardness of your heart. I don't need this. In fact, right now, you may be saying that. I, I, you know, I only came because my, my husband, my wife, my parents, I don't need this right now. And as that happens, you stomp and you trod and you make a pretty good path. But have you made up your mind and nobody can show you a different way? A better way. Is that your heart? Or maybe, maybe you have a rocky, a rocky heart. Perhaps you've never thought about the consequences of what it means to be a Christian. That there are going to be times when you're going to be persecuted for your beliefs. And you may act one way. On Sunday mornings, but when Monday mornings come, you act completely different. On one day, you may think that the joke that's told that's a little dicey is, is not funny. But on the other day, when you're around compadres and friends, then it's pretty funny. You act one way one day and another on, a, on another day. Rather than accept the consequences of your belief, you go along with the whims of those around you. Or maybe you have thorny soil. You know, I, I imagine that this, this hits more of us than we would admit. Because you remember what it said? You remember what it said about that? It said, because of the the cares of the world, the things that happen. It says it choked out in life's worries and riches and pleasures. You get so worried that you forget about the Savior who said, I will calm you. Do you get so worried about the riches of the world that you think more about that than you think more about the Savior? Do you think more about the things that are around you than the things that are really really important and we get busy and busy and busy and busy and when that happens we get busier and our priorities drop away and we decide you know what but I've got to do this they're depending on me I love this picture are we reaping a crop of a hundred times more than what was sown? Don't always think, don't always think of it as others that you have led to Christ, although it is. I, 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 I thought it was interesting. I remember reading when I was growing up, uh, my dad was a preacher for a long time, and I remember reading articles from uh, these, these preachers who had gone out and held gospel meetings, we had this many baptisms and this many, and I'm not saying that's not important. 
I'm saying that we think that that's more important than the soul that has been saved. Think of it as the joy and the peace and the grace and the mercy that you have received. And that you, because of the life that you live, because that you have been planted in good, rich soil, and you are, you are growing, that you want others to experience the same joy that you have. There is so much we could talk about here. But I want us to examine our own hearts and to realize just exactly where we are. And do you remember when Jesus was talking to the churches in the book of Revelation and he would explain to them the good things and the bad things and at the very end of those things he would say this, if you've got ears to hear, then hear. And I find it interesting here as we read Luke chapter 8, we see... Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm asking you to hear this morning. I'm asking you to examine your own heart and to see what kind of heart that you have. And I'm asking you to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this is such a simple, simple parable. And yet, Jesus had a hard time with people who didn't want to hear. And, and sometimes when we read these passages and, and read this, we think, oh, Jesus didn't want them to hear. But that wasn't the case at all. In fact, what Jesus was saying to those people was, there are some people that are so hard-hearted that they won't hear a thing or they won't see a thing. Father, may that never be said about us. May we always be quick to listen, to listen to what you have to say to us. And as Jesus, in these parables, tried to get across a very simple point, help us to realize how profound the message is that he has given to us. Father, may we each examine our own hearts, and may we be good soil. Father, this is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Our shepherds and their wives will be at the back. If you want to speak to them, that'd be great. If you need to respond to the invitation, Jeremiah has a song selected. Would you come as we sing?